Well, I always enjoy coming here, uh, so it's a blessing for me as well. And uh, I'm thankful to see each one of you familiar faces. Uh, this morning, this topic that I've chose, I've been, I've been studying some about the topic of humility, uh, but I've also been listening over the last couple of months to several sermons uh, by the editor of the Ministry Magazine. Do you, anybody familiar with the Ministry Magazine? Okay. The editor of that magazine, his name is Pava Goya. He has many sermons on YouTube, and probably 95% of them are all about prayer. And so uh, this morning I thought, well, let's go there. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some several scriptures, and I hope that you'll be blessed by this. Uh, I'm going to start out with a quotation from June 27th on Spirit of Prophecy. It's a uh, devotional. It was actually taken from a sermon that Ellen White gave over in Sweden uh, many years ago. And this is what she said. It's titled, For What Are You Preparing? Okay? June 27th says, Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Daniel 12.2 It is our privilege to understand the great responsibilities that God has placed upon us so that we shall not be in darkness as to what is coming upon our world. We cannot afford to meet that day without a preparation. But when we think of this great and solemn event of Christ coming in the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory, we should live in great humiliation before God lest we fail of the grace of God and prove ourselves unworthy of eternal life. Well, that sentence right there struck me. That's one of the reasons why the, the sermon, not this sermon, but another sermon that I prepared, uh, I, I entitled it Humility. And if you will, in your own study, if you'll take note of all the references that are in the scriptures, you'll find that that thought of humility is repeated over and over and over. Before honor is humility. Uh, Jesus humbled himself to die the death on the cross, Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 2. And it goes on and on. There are are many references. And then there's references where those who refuse to humble themselves. And and the Lord was not pleased because he couldn't help them, you know. So I'm not going to go there on that study today, though. I'm going to stick with this one. But I just want to point out to you, that she says we should live in great humiliation. Now, I don't think that means we should go around beating ourselves on the back and say, woe is me, you know, okay, that's not the kind of reference here she's referring to. What she is referring to here, though, is an attitude of mind. It's a spirit of teachableness. It's a spirit of willingness to change, a willingness to recognize our need. You see, what got us into this whole mess to begin with was pride, which is the opposite of humility, which is the opposite of God's character. So pride got us into this mess. Well, what's going to take us out of this is humility. We see Jesus. He came to this earth. Isaiah 53, if you're familiar with that chapter, says that he was like a root out of a dry ground. He had no form or comeliness that we should desire him. So when he came, he... People really weren't uh, physically outside. He didn't. He wasn't a, something that they were just drawn to. 
Yes, the crowds were drawn to him, but it wasn't because of his so much of his appearance. It was because of his spirit and his his uh, whole demeanor and his care and his love for people. That's what they were drawn to. You see, Jesus showed compassion. Jesus lived compassion. And so we don't want to get that confused because it's really important to us. In fact, if you go to the New Testament, we find there where uh, I think it's Peter who talks about how don't let us get distracted with outward appearance, thinking that that's got to just be the way we go. So we, we get all wrapped up in our hair or our, 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 our cars. I'm going to say that for us men or our trucks, you know, or or our tools. You know, there are things that we can get all wrapped up in and make a God out of them and not even really consciously aware of it. So, Lord, protect us from ourselves. You know, Psalm 139, uh, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And so God is wanting to teach us how to be like him. Well, this, this uh, quotation goes on and it says, we ask you, how does your character stand in the sight of God today? Are you preparing your souls for the grand review that you may have the white robe of character in that day? You cannot afford to indulge in sin and iniquity. Now, we all know that, don't we? But how easily we get slipped into it, sub kind of, the devil's a tricky liar, you know? And so he plays tricks on us to confuse us. And, and if you know, you look at, at Eve there in the Garden of Eden at the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil. You know, uh, Spirit of Prophecy tells us that he spoke words to her that only her husband should have spoken to her. You see, very tricky. Taking advantage of her vanity, in a sense, her beauty, and leading her into self. She liked it, felt comfortable. You know, it felt good, you know. And, and so pride is a dangerous thing. And Lord, protect us from ourselves. So we go on here and it says, you cannot afford to indulge in sin and iniquity. You cannot afford to be found a transgressor of God's great moral rule of righteousness. What's that? What is God's great moral rule of righteousness? The Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments that's right. It's his holy law. You see, that is one of, the, one of the key issues that are a part of the great controversy. You see, Satan ac- accused God in heaven that he only just used us. He didn't really love us. And his law was something that we don't need to follow because we are good in ourselves. That's what he told the angels. We don't need God's law, you know, because angels are good. And... And that lie is still promoted, you know? You, you just think about how, how Satan loves to make us feel comfortable with ourselves, especially us religious people, okay? He, he loves for us to feel that we're okay when maybe we're not really trusting in Jesus. You see, Jesus is wanting to bring us to the point where we do nothing without him. And that's not easy for us, especially if you're a very um, talented person, especially if you're a very strong person. In many respects, we've all received some gift that we tend to excel in or shift or, or shine in. 
And so it's a lot of times we will focus on that gift of making ourselves feel comfortable when in reality we may have some other issue over here that really stinks. If you follow what I'm saying? You know? So Lord, help me to be consistent. Help me to be trusting in you in every aspect of my life. And so this statement goes on and says, The God of heaven has given us reasoning powers and intellect. He wants us to use them. He has given us this body that that he wishes us to preserve in perfect health so that we can give him perfect service. So that sentence touches on a health message. You know, you know. Last night, uh, well, actually, my—I don't know if it was my son or my daughter. Recently, they've just, as of the first of this year, they've just come out with a new program, and uh, this program is—it's—it's uh, it's all about how the vegan diet is superior to a uh, a meat eating diet. Okay, and they ran a test with twenty-one twins. Okay. They figured the identical twins because they figured that that would be a, a good way to be able to, because they're, they're genetically they're very similar. And so they, they took 21 of these twins and, and they made the video out of four of them. They singled out four of them and they showed them going through the whole process and the way they screened them and, and, and the whole thing. And then one of them was on a very healthy meat-eating diet and the other one was on a very, very healthy vegan diet. And at the end of eight weeks, they ran a whole gamut of tests. They did it at the beginning, and they did it at the end. And, I mean, this is just right, hot right off the press. This program just came out the 1st of January. And so we were watching the last, we watched the last episode last night. And uh, they were showing how just in eight weeks that the uh, DNA was actually improved on the, on the vegan person that was eating the vegan diet over the one that was on the, the, the meat-eating diet. And I thought that was really interesting because the genetics, of course, it helps determine your health age. That's really what determines your health age, not your years of actual living, but what's the condition that your DNA is in. So I, and I don't remember the name of the program, but it's, uh, I wanna, I'd have to think for a minute. Uh, yeah, well, you, you, I'm pretty sure you can probably find it, yeah. But anyway, it was very interesting. It's on Netflix. That's, that's where it's at, okay? But the point is, is that why, does, why did God give us the health message? Because we are weak. We are living down in the dregs of humanity. It's been 6,000 years since we ate from the tree of life. And we need folks to really guard our health. We really do. You know? And of course, the older you get, the more you realize that. <laughs> so, uh, God has given us a message of health. And that message is, of course, we look at the eight doctors. We, many of you are familiar with that whole idea, the eight doctors and temperance and lots of water and, you know, healthy diet and exercise, prayer, trust in God, and so forth. So I would encourage all of us to stop and look at that for a minute. Is there some area that we're weak in? Some area in those eight doctors that maybe we need to uh, come up in, you know? Uh, maybe we can make some improvements in. I know with me, I, I, I struggle with getting consistently with exercise. 
that was one of the things in watching this series. I realized that I really need to do more about developing muscle, okay? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and, and, you know, I thought it was interesting, too, in, in here. They pointed out how um, it's important that you enjoy your food. And, um, and I, I was thinking about how sometimes I know for me, I get really rushed, especially on Fridays. Uh, I, I'm doing good sometimes to get lunch on Friday. Uh, on Friday, I'm doing good if I can just find me a good bottle of, of juice, like pomegranate juice, or yesterday I found me a bottle of grapefruit juice. But, uh, and a lot of times that's about the height of my lunch. Uh, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for me because of my business and people break down. They need help and they need it. Like, you know how that goes. They need it now. <laughs> uh, I know like yesterday morning at 6.30, my first call came in. And now I have a few people that I allow to have my personal phone, my cell phone. Uh, most of them I direct them all to my office number, which my son answers. But I got a phone call from this one lady. I've been doing all of her work for years now. And she called me at 6.30 yesterday, and she says, I have a shipment of food coming in this morning, and I was wondering if you could take care of my cooler. It's broke down. I said, okay, I'll take care of it for you, okay? So <clears throat> I got there, and I got, I got it fixed, okay? Thank the Lord for that. And then I had another lady that called me the day before, and her, her cooler was broken down. She, the one that, uh, the bistro in there in Jefferson, she keeps all her desserts and her pies and stuff where you come into her business, and it broke down on her. And I, I meant to get there, I think it was like, Thursday afternoon, but I couldn't make it something else. I had to deal with something else. So I said, I'll take care of you on Friday morning. Well, <clears throat> Friday morning came, and I couldn't go there because I had to take care of this other refrigerator, which was more important than her pies because she had her pies in another cooler, and she was, she was okay. And so I knew this other person had to have help immediately or they weren't going to be okay. So I said, I, I called her up and I said, hey, I'm not going to be able to be there until after lunch, okay? So she said, oh, it's okay. I can live with that. So, you know, that's what I did. But I share that simply with you because, you know, we've all got stressors of some sort in our lives. Things that we have to deal with. And things that are not in our control. But God is trying to teach us through all these things to lean on him. To trust in him. You know, uh, this week I woke up probably about 2 in the morning. Doesn't happen to me real often, but it, it happens to me occasionally. I woke up about 2 in the morning, and I got to thinking about several situations. And it just, it just bugged me. I couldn't go back to sleep, you know? <clears throat> Finally, I thought, I can't get up, because if I get up, I will be dead, <laughs> you know? So... So I laid there, <clears throat> talked to the Lord about it, kept saying, Lord, you're going to have to help me through this. I don't know exactly how I'm going to get, get it. I don't know how we're going to resolve this, but I know that you've got it in, you've got it all under control. And so finally, about two or three hours later, I went back to sleep. Okay. Then last night, I kept thinking about one of my children, and I kept, all through the night, I kept praying and Sleeping and praying and sleeping and back and forth, you know. And uh, really, again, really perplexed me. That's, that's what happened this morning. I didn't actually get up until 8 o'clock, okay? Because that was just really bugging me, you know. 
And, um, <clears throat> and so, and then it, and my, my wife woke up. She was going to come with me this morning, but she had a terrible migraine headache. She couldn't. You know, it, was, it was a bad one. So she had to stay home this morning. And uh, so I got me a bowl of cereal, and I should have stopped the one, but I went with for the second one. <laughs> and so I ran a little bit late. That's what happened to me here this morning. <laughs> uh, so we, we're, you know, as human beings, we all have struggles. I don't care where you are. As long as we are in this body of flesh, and as long as we are on this planet, we are going to have struggles some way or, or another, you know. And it's all depending on how we handle these struggles is what's going to be the outcome of it all. You see, are we learning to cast all of our cares upon God? Are we learning to look to him? You know, Jesus told us, he says, I don't do anything without my father. Can I say that? I'm afraid not. I'm afraid that too often I find myself running. I think, oops, Lord, where are you? Um, you know, it's like, where did I leave you? You know, <laughs> I got this statement. I found this. I want to show this, share this one with you. <clears throat> I have to open my pad, iPad back up. It went to sleep on me. Uh, let's see here. This one is from. This is from. Uh, Councils on Health, page 424, paragraph 1. If the rush of work is allowed to drive us from our purpose of seeking the Lord daily, we shall make the greatest mistakes. Isn't that interesting? If the rush of work is allowed to drive us from our purpose of seeking the Lord daily, we shall make the greatest mistakes. Pause just for a moment. Do you remember the Gibeonites, the children of Israel, the Old Testament? You remember what they failed to do? Yeah, that's right. Joshua and the elders failed to go and ask God, Lord, is this true? You see, because they told this wonderful line and they made it all out to look really true. But in the end, they found out it was a lie. Okay? But the Bible makes it very clear. They did not ask counsel of the Lord. So I have to ask myself that question. <clears throat> Am I allowing myself to run along thinking that I'm I'm in the Lord's care when maybe I'm really not? You know? There's an Old Testament verse that says talking about walking in the light of their own sparks. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Alright, so I'll go on. The Lord <clears throat> excuse me, we shall incur losses. How what what will cause us to incur losses? By allowing ourselves to neglect prayer. Okay? We shall incur losses, for the Lord is not with us. We have closed the door so that he cannot find access to our souls. But, if we pray, even when our hands are employed, the Savior's ear is open to hear our petitions. If we are determined not to be separated from the source of our strength... Jesus will be just as determined to be at our right hand to help us, that we may not be put to shame before our enemies. Now, that's good news. You know, that is good news. So you've got a purpose in your heart that you will not walk without him. And you have to keep purposing in your heart that you will not walk without him. 
Yesterday's experience, it won't, su- it won't suffice for today's experience. Yesterday's prayers won't suffice for today's needs, you see. So you and I must have an attitude, as Paul says, pray without what? Ceasing. Without ceasing, that's right. The grace of Christ can accomplish for us that which all our efforts will fail to do. Those who love and fear God may be surrounded with a multitude of cares and yet not falter or make crooked paths for their feet. God takes care of you in the place where it is your duty to be. But be sure, as often as possible, to go where prayer is wont to be made. Now, this was counsel to a, a physician, but it's good counsel for every one of us. You see, God is is he's there. His name is, one of his names is near. Near. You see, God is near us. God is listening. God is anxious to have us call upon him. Steps to Christ under chapter of prayer. She says, the angels are amazed that we pray so little. Yeah. Infinite resources at our request. But we treat it as though we don't need it. Can you, can you imagine how, <clears throat> how they feel? You can imagine how Jesus feels. I believe this was the main point that made him a man of sorrows. He had power to heal everyone and to save everyone. But they would not let him. In the book of John, I think it's John chapter 5, but he points out, he says, You will not come to me that you may have life. May that not be true of us. May we be a people who constantly cling to him. You know, he says, I am the vine and you are the branch. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Yes. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer. Desire of Ages, I want to read you this quote. She says, In the estimation of the rabbis, it was the sum of religion to be always in a bustle of activity. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a flip side. Okay? In the estimation of the rabbis, it was the sum of religion to always be in a bustle of activity. So, you know, the more they were doing, the more righteous they felt. They depended upon some outward performance to show their superior piety. Excuse me. And thus they separated their souls from God and they built themselves up in self-sufficiency. That same danger still exists. As activity increases and men become successful in doing any work for God, there is danger of trusting to human plans and methods. There is a tendency to pray less and to have less faith. Like the disciples, we are in danger of losing sight of our dependence on God and seeking to make a savior of our activity. You see? 
we need to look constantly to Jesus, realizing that it is his power which does the work. While we are to labor earnestly for the salvation of the lost, of the lost we must also take time for meditation, for prayer, and for the study of the word of God. Now, this last sentence is really important, okay? Only the work accomplished with much prayer and sanctified by the merit of Christ will in the end prove to have been efficient for good. Isn't that an interesting sentence? Only that which is accomplished with much prayer and sanctified by the merits of Christ will in the end prove to have been efficient for good. So, folks, we've got to depend more upon God. We, have, we, we must ask Jesus to teach us how to do this. We must ask him to show us how to walk with him constantly. Because it, it's not enough. You remember Old Testament Jeremiah says, can the leper change his spot or the Ethiopian his skin? No. Can you and I make ourselves more holy? No. Can you and I do better apart from Jesus? No. You see, so it is our privilege to storm the gates of heaven and say, Lord, save me from myself. Help me to be a man of prayer. Help me to be a woman of faith. Help me to cling to you. Help me to rely upon you and not upon my own arm of flesh. No other life was so crowded with labor and responsibility as was that of Jesus. Yet how often he was found in prayer. How constant was his communion with God. Again and again in the history of his earthly life are found records such as these. Rising up a great while before day, he went out and he departed into a solitary place and there he prayed. Another one. Great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And here's another one. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and he continued all night in prayer to God. You know, there's one other aspect I need to touch on here before I close. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Then he answered, And he spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Mount of Blessings, page 149. Another quote. Religion consists in doing the words of Christ. not doing to earn God's favor, but because all undeserving, we have received the gift of his love. Christ places the salvation of man not upon profession merely, but upon faith that is made manifest in works of righteousness. Doing, not saying merely, is expected of the followers of Christ. It is through action that character is built. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, 
They are the sons of God, Romans 8.14. Not those whose hearts are touched by the Spirit. Not those who now and then yield to its power. But they that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. That's Mount of Blessing, page 149, paragraph 2. So, what does that tell us? What can we take away from this thought? I think, first of all, in the morning when you start your day, Lord, give me of your spirit. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, Ezekiel 36, 26. Let us lay hold of that promise. I need your spirit. <clears throat> as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God, Romans eight fourteen. Lord, please lead me today. Help me. Help me to listen. You know, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation there, I think it's in chapter 2 and and also in chapter 3. So, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us, so that we will rightly understand what's in front of us and not get confused. So that we don't make missteps. That goes back to that quote I read to you earlier. Time for prayer. Prayer is important. We have to have prayer. We, we, it's our, it's our, it shows our dependence upon Christ. And then we need to hide promises in the word. Promises that we can pull strength from, assurance from. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects and chastens every son whom he receives. Trust in him with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with how much? With exceeding joy. Yes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Psalm 17, verse 8, I think it is. Lord, keep me today. Protect me from myself, my weak, unchristlike self. And then as we go forward, believe that he's there with you. That's important. Believe that he has heard your prayer. Believe that he has given you his promises and that he will walk with you. For he says, if any of you lack wisdom, James 1, 5, ask him and he will give it to you. How? Liberally. Liberally. Yes. I've tried to encourage my guys that work with me to remember, you get stumped. Don't forget to pray. You know? I find that the Lord has helped me out of many situations. And I didn't know what the answer was. I I had one just the other day where, I think this was Thursday. Whoever installed this package unit never planned on working on it. (laughs) I'm serious. They left me about 14 inches at most between the wall and the end of it where all the components were. So, <clears throat> so this thing is not heating, and these these poor people they need it. Okay, 
And I'm sitting here having to kind of like lay on top of this thing, put my head down there and try to work. While I'm, and, and it had water on, on top of it from, you know, from this recent weather. I, I about, after about a half an hour, because <laughs> it, it was really frustrating because I, I could hardly see what I was doing. You know, I'm getting older, so things are hard for me to... I had my headlamp on, but, <clears throat> you know, when you're looking at it from an angle from down and, and then kind of in, and there's a bunch of wires there, and, and it was just very difficult. I, I had to stop and pray. I said, look, I really want to leave. <laughs> I don't even want to work on this thing. But I knew I couldn't do that. I said, Lord, help me. <laughs> help me to persevere, you know. And he did, and I did get it fixed. I was so thankful they got it done. <clears throat> but there are times when all of us reach that point to where we want to throw in the towel, you know? But we can't. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Turn with me to that verse. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with what, everybody? Patience. Let us run with patience or endurance. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto who? To Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Brothers and sisters, let us keep this in mind. There is a great, great reward ahead of us. But we must prove faithful. And the only way we'll prove faithful is we cling to Jesus. We cannot do it any other way. But if we cling to Jesus, remember, he is just as anxious to be there beside us, to strengthen us, to help us. He will not separate from us. If we will just say, I will not let you go except you bless me. You see. Shall we pray? Father, we come to you with our hands empty. There's nothing that we have to offer you but our sinful, polluted hearts. And so, Lord, we give those to you this morning because we know that you are the great healer. You have power to renew us, to recreate within us a clean heart and a new spirit. And so this morning, Father, we again, we reach our hands heavenward, asking and claiming your promises that you will finish what you have begun in us. Thank you for helping us to have faith in your promises. Thank you, Father, for helping us to be a people who call upon you often in prayer. And thank you for promising that you will bring us to your holy dwelling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.